Wednesday, June 1st. Welcome to the Warner Brothers Podcast. We are previewing the NBA Finals. Uh, I guess more so discussing the NBA Finals than previewing the NBA Finals. Uh, Keenan, how are you doing today? Good, good. Had a long day of work, but you know, nothing caps off a day like podcasting, so I'm ready to go. Sure, sure. I'm actually fresh off our uh, rec league championship, which uh, if it sounds late, if it sounds late for, a, for a basketball league to be ending, that's because it is. May 31st is hella late. But well, at least for uh, for the Vermont League to be ending because I mean the NBA is just getting to the finals technically, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm talking about your normal normal rec leagues. I think are usually throughout the winter. Actually, yeah. you got some summer leagues too. You usually got some summer leagues too, but we unfortunately do not have one currently. But yeah, fresh off the dub, we were adding undefeated season, cool stuff. Uh, but I'm ready to talk to finals. I'm ready to talk some finals too. So, did you want to start it off, or do you want me to start it off? I want to hear. You said you got some talking point questions, so go ahead, throw one at me. Do you think we get any legendary moments in these finals? If so, by who, or what team, or something along those lines? Uh, I mean, I guess I, you know, I would say you always get get one moment per finals maybe i mean it all depends on how it plays out if it's six or seven games sure um it's hard to say it's hard to say you never really know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. in each finals and you know there's some some finals that are pretty lackluster um you know like one that comes to mind it was a good finals but not a great finals would be like the lakers and the magic the 09 finals that one went to five it could have easily went six or seven if a few things went a little differently, mm-hmm. but overall, it was a pretty uneventful finals. Like I think, I think Derek Fisher had like a big moment in one of the games that was like pretty key. Kobe yeah. was there that series, but and uh, and I think Jameer Nelson was coming back from injury. Like he was out for months, and they threw him back in the starting lineup. Like so, that was an interesting one. Um, but- the the Warriors Raptors was solid. Was good. There wasn't anything like legendary that happened in that game. I mean, the most legendary thing would probably be Steph's game three because he had 47 and a loss, which is second most all time to only LeBron's in 2017 or 18. I actually disagree with that. I uh, game five, game five was a great Warriors win, and that's the that's when KD tore his Achilles. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Steph hit a big shot at the end of the game. I mean, the series was good, so I just don't. Legendary I moments. I just don't think it. I mean, I guess yeah. The KD tearing his Achilles would be. It's a memorable remember, moment, just not legendary. I think no. I think the game in general is because he he tears his Achilles. The crowd's going insane, and the Warriors is kind of go back to. You know, pre KD Warriors and mm-hmm. pull out a hell of a win like that. That win along with their. Their game six against the Rockets that same season when KD goes down were two very reminiscent of each other. And I think, I want to say that game five win was a comeback win. I don't know. That was one of my favorite games of their dynasty, actually. Really? We'll call it a classic, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I remember, I remember because they're down three. Were they down three one? Nah. They were down. It was, five. it was, yeah, they, they, had to, yeah they had to have been. They were down, they were down three, three one. one. So their backs against the wall, they fight back. 
I remember it was a Clay Curry Draymond game. Clay makes a big three at the end. They push the game six. All ships are in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then six, you got Clay cooking. Like he's game six Clay. And, uh, you know, and then he tears his ACL and everything falls off. Yeah. But, but to answer your original question, I, I it's hard to say if there will be. I do think this is out of the final four. Obviously, this was the best possible matchup we could have got. I think basketball wise, Celtics Warriors. I oh. I can agree with that. Even though I'm a Heat fan, I just the Celtics, the star powers more with the Celtics. The um, especially with Tyler Hero being getting injured, the Miami Heat's way of winning was playing was kind of mucking up the game, and then Jimmy playing Hero ball, where the Celtics can do that if need be. They can make the game physical, but they also can play with pace. They can play they play better with pace, and they. They're just a more fluid team, and as the Warriors are as well. So you're going to get great basketball throughout these entire playoffs. I mean, finals, defensively, defensively and offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be an aesthetically pleasing finals. I think we're going to get great basketball. Um, yeah, the refs are obviously going to let them play. We've seen the refs, you know, allow physicality throughout the playoffs. And I think I really do for whatever reason. I think the first. Two or three games are going to be physical, but not too ugly. And then, you know, as the series wins, it's going to be more and more physical. Um, a couple of these games have two nights off. A few have three nights off. So we're yeah. going to get – we're definitely going to get good basketball compared to the conference finals. Um, as far as classic moments, you just, you just never know. You never know. You know, we could sit here and talk all this, and it could be a sweep. I doubt that's going to happen on either end. But, but you never know. But you never know. So I think I can't Steph really get- has a classic moment. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to say, like, other than, like, I mean, throughout the finals, he hasn't had many. Like, game five, 2015, the 47-point game, his 9-3 game to break the record in the finals would probably be his for highlights, be some of those highlights that he's had in the finals. And then the one, his move on LeBron, which some people would call double drip, but like that would be other his like memorable moments. I mean, it was a double dribble, but it was a good move. When you caught it live, it did look like he really got LeBron. Yeah, no, that was gonna say that was. I was gonna say that's what I was saying. Like it was like he put his other hand on the ball, but I don't think that's why. I like regardless, I think he got LeBron, but it was a double dribble. And yeah, going back to that game five, by the way. Warriors Raptors 2019. Warriors won that game by one, 106-105. So that was that was a barn burner, I guess as they would call it. I don't think I've ever used that fucking word in my life. I've used it plenty of times. I actually looked it up. It was something like back in like the seven sixteen hundreds. <laughs> some 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 reference from the sixteen hundreds. I looked it up with Ira one day because we used to say it in Madden all the time. What's uh what what's your next question you got for me? Um do you think Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart's more important to the Celtics, and who will be more important in this series? In general, it has to be. Oh, that's a tough question. I kinda. think it's kind of like the Clay Draymond question. Like I guess. In, in the prime of like prime of the Warriors. Uh, yeah, kind of. That one's a little more. I mean, I think that was pretty cut and dry. I think that's Draymond. Like, I think we see that. Anytime Draymond goes out, how the Warriors function, like they kind of they don't fall apart, but 
he's the machine that really makes things go kind of thing. And once upon a time, I would have said that about Marcus Smart. Ever since COVID, like he won defensive player of the year this year. Don't get me wrong, but I think he got, I think he's had better defensive seasons than this year. Um, so I would say, I would say Jalen Brown to that question. Mm-hmm. I would say Jalen. Because Jalen can come and go, which is weird. Uh, and not for lack of trying. He's not like a Wiggins who disappears, like you don't realize he's on the court kind of thing. But he can he can either get really cold or he can, as we saw in last series, he can turn the ball over quite a bit. Uh, whereas Marcus Smart, like his thing is he might make a bonehead decision. But you never really have to question either of their efforts. Um, but I would say Jalen. I would say if you're... You know, Marcus Smart's had a really good postseason. Like, he really has. He's had great moments as far as a playmaker. He's had great moments as far as a scorer. He had 24 in that game seven. Uh, his defense is always there. 24, 9, and uh, 12 in game two. Right. Right, yeah, he had an amazing game, too. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, so, you know, if you got Jalen in there scoring between 25 or 30, at least three of these games, the Celtics are going to have – not just a good chance, a great chance. You know what I mean? So I would say Jalen is more important because I would think chances are, like I, I've said Robert Williams is pretty important as far as if he starts or if he, or if he plays, if he doesn't play, that can, you know, the Celtics winning chances are directly related to that. Yeah. Up. But, you know, if we're sitting here two weeks from now, and what, however many games this goes, and Jalen Brown averages something like 19 points a game, I can almost guarantee you the Celtics probably lost that game unless everyone else is scoring, you know, double figures, which is also possible. But Grant Williams has seven threes. Right. <clears throat> right. If everyone's doing their job, then sure, maybe Jalen can't focus on defense and all that. But, you know, if Jalen's 23 and up, some somewhere in that range, we should be okay. So my answer would be Jalen Brown for that one. It doesn't say it kind of reminds me of the Warriors just because normally like if Clay has thirty, the Warriors like don't lose. So yeah. it's, it's kinda like if Jay, when Jalen Brown goes off, typically the Celtics don't lose. Especially when you're cause they now especially now that you're getting a more consistent Jason Tatum, which is really mm-hmm. starting to elevate him to superstar status. Cause like obviously he had the superstar talent for last three years it's just really the consistency of being able to okay you can string along seven straight 25 to 35 point games instead of having that blip of going down to 12 and then going and then maybe having 20 points on like terrible shooting night so just that consistency now that you have that with Jalen Brown when he puts up 30 or like even 25 it's like okay it's gonna be really hard to beat the Celtics when you have two of those guys rolling and I also, also want to edit a statement I made last pod where I said Tatum is a borderline superstar. Uh, I would I would change that and say he is a superstar. I did some thinking about it, and like you said, when he has games, especially you know like he did the season where it's like you know seven games plus of twenty five a game, mm-hmm. or he's back in the game with at least being aggressive. That's a superstar. Like he might not be on Luca's level, or Steph. Even I would Steph, say I'm trying to or young stars in his class. Ja. Like, yeah, he's not. I would say he's a, a tier below John Luca as mm-hmm. far as in the game. 
but you know, I think he's right there. I think he's right there. And uh I agree. I I think like if you say he you need to see a touch more from him for him to be a superstar in your book, I'm okay with that. If you feel that he is a superstar in your book, I'm okay with that. Like I, I I'm I'm not gonna hate either take and I'm not gonna hate either statement. Like it's he's really like on that borderline of star like star of stars or superstar, you know? So it's right in the middle. What's the next question? Um another one I had was this is a little less about the finals exactly, but it has to do with because I was thinking about the Warriors. I was always cur- I'm always curious how a zone is so effective in the NBA. Like, do you have an answer as to why that is? Because I'm really cur- I'm always so curious how a zone's really that effective. That's really funny you say that. Me and Steven had the same conversation a couple weeks ago. Shouts to Esteban Ramos. Um, Steven. Yeah, we've had we had the same conversation where I was like, I don't understand why every time any any and every time any team goes to a zone, you can guarantee it's at least I don't care what team it could be the worst team in the league versus the best team in the league. <clears throat> I feel like they're gonna get at least three stops, three out of five stops, something like that. That's gonna cause the team to call a timeout. And it still bugs the hell out of the other team, even when when they call a timeout. <clears throat> I've always thought uh, you know, the way to break a zone is get to the teeth of it, get to the middle of it. Yeah, it just put I someone mean, in the middle and then have people on the <clears throat> wings ready to shoot and then just have a baseline guy. Like, I, I don't, it's like the basis of every zone one, two, two, one, three, one. It doesn't matter. Just guy in the middle to break down the zone. For sure. And I think NBA zones are obviously a little more. Sophisticated, of you course, know you I got mean? athletes and then they rotate better, they know exactly what to do. I mean, even I mean, even more than like Syracuse because obviously they're famous knowing for their zone, but it's just like, uh, I just don't sometimes get how it's so effective, especially in the NBA when you have such good shooters and such good talent on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say a big part of a big difference of an NBA zone is there's no defensive or there is a defensive three seconds, mm-hmm. so you can't sit in the paint. So you're really, it's more of a matchup zone. Um, so I get that they are far more sophisticated and different and the rotations are different. But I still like, you know, when Dallas, was it Dallas? No, sorry. Golden State's doing it. Dallas puts nobody in the middle and the middle is like wide open. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you don't have to have, you don't have to park someone there because obviously that's just going to draw attention and you know, it probably won't end the same way as it would at your standard gym. But, you know, at least have someone flash middle and then you can kick to the corner because the corner is always going to be open. Getting Luca in the middle of a zone, I feel like would easily just break that like in two seconds. Like he's he's going to be able to shoot a mid-range jumper, attack the basket, <laughs> hit a shooter every time. Like that's just, I don't. Like I don't get how that's just not a break. I mean, that's just specifically for the Mavericks. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I it's a good observation because yeah, I I wonder the same thing. I get that it works. I could understand even working for a full quarter, but you know, after that, I don't understand how it can be so so effective. Yeah, like you know? like LeBron got 
shook by the zone and against the Mavs. Like that's a big reason why he played so bad. I mean, obviously other it's just it was a mental thing and then he was just completely off for the series too. But like that zone yeah, as he, he also, stated he, he up- he also didn't want to touch the ball or yeah. shoot the ball. Well, yeah, I know. I definitely, but, the, but he also definitely. said that zone affected him. That's why I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was just shocking yeah. to me. Yeah, zones in the NBA, I'll, I'll never understand it because it's been the last few years, especially especially in the playoffs, you'll see a team pull it out, and we'll definitely see Golden State pull it out with. You know their size discrepancy. Yeah, but. for sure. All right. So, do you have a question at all? Do you have some things? Was that was that, was that your end of your uh, talking point questions? Um, I, I do. I do have some random over unders, either ors here. Um, but. that was the end of the. That was the end of them for now. I if I come up with another one, like as we're going through, then I'll definitely bring it up. But that's the end of what I have for right now. What do you have for your over unders? I'm interested. All right. First one, over-under for ejections in the series, one and a half. Oh, over. You're going over. Wait, wait, ejections, under. I, I think it's only going to be one. And is it Draymond or is it Marcus Smart? Steve Kerr. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think <laughs> I think Steve Kerr will I – think, I think Steve Kerr in a loss could get himself ejected. Steve Kerr is an underrated, I want to say psycho coach, but when he's, he gets at least, I want to say two or three ejections a year. Good mm-hmm. ejection. He's really just lighting the ref up. Let Marcus that's- Smart semi do something that's questionable. Like not, like not dirty, dirty, but let him do something questionable that could possibly have injured somebody, but didn't end up leading to an injury. And Steve might just lose it. Things, right, that's all you guys, need. A hard foul from Marcus Smart. I think Steve, depending on how it is, Steve Kerr might lose it. All right. Tell me this isn't an over and under. This is just a tell me what game does Steph Curry roll his ankle? <laughs> what game does Steph roll his ankle? Yep. Um, probably game three and probably game three. I could see him in Boston rolling his ankle but being fine because it's Steph and his ankles at this point. He's used to him being rolled. I'm going to go game two. Okay. And then ejections. I think ejections I'm also going to go one. I don't see. I think. I think. I think Draymond gets ejected one time. He really seems to be going for it. He can't though. Because get, two flagrant foul points will leave him out for another game. So I don't see I, I think he's going to get thrown out for technicals, not flagrant fouls. Okay. Okay, then, then that's that's fair. I was going to say, because I'm just saying two more flagrant foul points and he's missing a game. So if he was to do that, which would be, which the Celtics definitely have in their like mini notebook of like, hey, Let's try to get this guy two flagrants, especially if he can do it early in a game because basically he's missing a de facto two games. All right, give me, out of these two players, who averages more points per game this series? Marcus Smart or Andrew Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins by, like, a point, maybe. Okay, so Wiggins overall. So you don't. So you think they both... 
I'm going to guess you have them both in like the mid teens somewhere. <laughs> I, I said the other pod, I think Wiggins has around 18. I think Marcus Smart has around like 16, roughly. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Just because so. I think Marcus Smart, I mean, not that Wiggins can't do this and maybe not, he's not going to. Marcus Smart does have those games where he'll put up 24, as we said, and then he'll have like six. But he can still make an impact by only having six. So, like, I, I think there's just going to be those games where he's just a little off. So, I'll kind of even it out around, like, 16-ish. Steph and Clay combined threes, okay? Yep. Over and under 10.5. The average. And a game made or? Made threes, 10.5, Steph and Clay combined for the whole series. So, per game, do they average more or less than 10.5 threes? Under. Under. I don't think Clay has been consistent enough for me to say over. Mm. I think okay. that, like, I mean, because, like, if you think about it, if Clay goes three of nine and Curry went six of 13, that's still nine. And, like, yeah. I think, or, like, Clay and Steph both go for, like, five of 11, which will still make an impact on the game, but that's still under 10 and a half. So I would take the under just because of how Clay's consistency. I think they may have two games where they go over 10 and a half. But for the series, I would say under. Okay. All right. Give me the over under for Draymond threes in the whole series. And the number is four and a half. Under. He, make, he makes under four and a half threes this whole series. Yeah, I told you. I said last podcast exactly. He's going to go like four of 11. So I'm sticking with you oh, making four. Did say that. So I'm so sticking four. You know, so he's on the borderline of being over because he could go make five, but I have him four of 11. So, I mean, that's like, that's very obviously direct for someone in a series, but I got like four of 11. This number I came up with might have been low, but I'll go for it anyway. Mm -hmm. Games by a starter, this is on both sides. So any starter, any point during a seven game series, could be four, could be five, could be six. Or seven games a series, right? Mm-hmm. Could be could be a seven game series. Games missed by a starter, one and a half. Any starter. Is Rob Williams counted as a starter? Yes. Then over. So you think he misses? Two I think games he, I think he could. I think he could miss himself at least two games, and then you never know. With how people have been banged up, Marcus Smart's missed games, Al Horford's missed games, Curry's always, I mean, Curry's never missed a finals game before, but obviously he can be injury prone. Clay, we've seen Clay miss games as of late, obviously because of his two huge injuries, and Draymond's missed some. So, Clay's missed, has Clay sat, Clay sat this postseason? Not this postseason. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, during the season even, too, he sat out a few games, like, after he came back. Um, some of them were precautionary. Some of them were just because of he have, have him having soreness as well. So just just with the, the overall collection of how everybody's health has been over the this last season, especially with Robert Williams be cons- being considered a starter, I would say probably two. Yeah, he's the swing one. Mm-hmm. I'm actually under on that. I hope it's like, the under. I hope I'm wrong on that completely. I hope it's zero. I don't think the only players I could really see missing games, and it's not COVID related, by the way. For we're saying this is injury. Yeah, it's obvious. 
Rob Williams because he's been out basically every other game. Mm-hmm. But the press is going to help. And so I could see him definitely missing one. The only other player I could really see missing is is like Marcus Smart. Or if it's like a Kevon Mooney or someone like that. But the only two that would pop off of my Marcus Smart because he has missed a few games here and there. Lo- and this- Wait. I was going to say Looney would be the most shocking. He was one of the like, only five people this year who played all 82 games. So he'd actually, Did he? Yeah, he would actually be like he'd be technically the most shocking one to miss just because he's been like an Iron Man this year. But <laughs> obviously, again, it's Kayvon Looney, so you never know. And him being out doesn't change always the complexion of games, so you could sit him for a game rather than like a Steph who or a Clay even just to not to name the best player. I feel like I know the answer to this from your end, but most threes in a game this series, what's the number and who's the player? Eight. Steph, but I want to say Clay. I, I agree, say- but I think it's Jason Tatum. Okay. I, the third one for me would have been Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown, for some reason, just can get on those nuclear streaks. Where you know he what? Just I'll gets go, hot. I'll go one less and say seven, and it's either Tatum or Brown. Okay. Or, or obviously one of the Splash Brothers, but I would lean Tatum. And seven. sleeper Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole can get himself hot. Absolutely. Especially playing in that second unit to where he doesn't have to see like Martin, Marcus Smart and he could see a Peyton Pritchard for three minutes of the game. Like you can get off two threes, three threes, even in that moment in time. And that can just get you rolling. So. All right. Do you got, you have golden state in six or seven? Seven. Seven. Pick me, pick me golden state wins right here. So what games do Golden? what four do golden state win? Obviously one in one because Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr's 21 and two in game ones ever which is a crazy stat um so game one clearly game seven and they don't go down three one so they've won 26 straight road game or 26 eight series with a road game so i'd say game four and game five so one, game four. three game three and game five I can see it going every other. One, three, five, seven, six, and seven. So I could see the them going up one zero, and then the Celtics, the Celtics winning game two, then the Warriors going taking back home court in game three, or even game three or four, one of those two. But I'll say one, three, five, and seven. And then the Celtics defend a little bit of their home court of game four. Then they each defend home court in game five and game six. And then game seven, hopefully a barn burner. And <laughs> which may, may be the name, barn burner. But uh, yeah, and then game seven, the Warriors. The rec- times barn burner's been used on a podcast probably. Oh, yeah, and a podcast for sure. In my vocabulary, no, but for sure in the podcast. <laughs> for sure. I think the Celtics definitely win game one. I said that last time. Yeah. Uh, I think the Warriors win game two. Game three is a toss-up. Game three is going to be insane in Boston. Crowd's going to be going rabid. I could see 
I can see this. I can see it going games one, game one, Boston, games two and three, Golden State, game four, blowout win or big win for Boston. I won't say blowout, but one where they kind of win wire to wire. And then you'll have a do or die game five, which, by the way, is my second favorite game series to a game seven. That would be in Golden State. I would, I would think I, I would have Golden State in that game, Boston protecting home court in game six, and then game seven, anyone's guess. Uh, I will say, for whatever reason, I'm a little less confident in the Celtics than I was two or three nights ago when we recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not because, like, I think stylistically, statistically, stylistically, and just, you know, matchup-wise, I think the Celtics really do have the advantage here, uh, especially when you combine Golden State's, uh, you know, carelessness with the ball they have at times. You know, that's not something that really, I don't think that's something they're going to get better at all seven games. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they might have one or two games where they protect it. Like, I think in the closeout game versus the Mavs, they protected the ball really well. But you mix that against the best defensive team in the league, yeah. you know, that caused some problems for Golden State. Um I think for me, it's like, I rarely say this, but it, I, I have a hard time picturing and seeing this, you know, us winning in Golden State in a game seven. And I don't think it's going to be, like I said last time, it's going to be t- a tough place to play. It'll be loud, but it's not, it's not the old Oracle. It's not, it's not Boston. It's not how loud game seven would be in Boston. Um, and uh, I believe the Celtics have actually won either four of their last five or five of the last six or even six of their last seven in the Bay, something like that. So, you know, six they're not the last afraid. seven, I believe. They just won a game seven on the road in Miami. Um, so I don't know. I, I have a hard time picturing it just because, you know, I don't know. These Celtics are still, they're postseason vets, but they really are still just kids. I mean, you know, their core is. Besides Marcus Smart and Horford, these guys are still real young, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by it's, the way, Horford- it's hard for me to it's hard for me to honestly like picture Boston winning a game <laughs> seven in Golden State. Like it was easier for me for the Cavs because they have LeBron specifically, right? And they have Kyrie. Not that like Kyrie's better than Tatum is now because he's clearly not, but. It's a, I don't know like the fact that they had LeBron made it feel yeah, as if he could here, do it. I wouldn't say what. I was gonna say I wouldn't say clearly that I 2006 Kyrie was on another level. I mean, they they were going at you got to remember that seventy three and nine Golden State they were just doing whatever they wanted to in games five six specifically uh, games five and six. But I I know I I would say I know completely. But I was just saying. I just think Jason Tatum is better now than what Kyrie was then. I just think he can do more on the court. That's he can all. definitely do more. He can definitely do more, but I don't know. That version of Kyrie is as good as any scoring guard you're going to get. You know what I mean? I mean, he out, he outplayed Steph where, in Steph's home in a game seven. So, I mean, that's tough to do. That's tough to do. And, you know, game six and then that classic game five, obviously. But, yeah, he can definitely do more than Kyrie. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Kyrie's obviously such an enigma. Like this year, he had an amazing season, but like, what was it really? You know what I mean? Because it was like, what, 29 games did he play? Yeah. Yeah. Kyrie just upsets me. I don't want to get into Kyrie. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't want to get it. Kyrie something, but yeah. unquestionable talent at the same oh, time. Oh, of course. Uh, he somehow found a way to win me over this year. I don't even know how, but he did. He did but, not win me over. <laughs> he annoys me so much. I did find it funny that he said something like, when they lost to Boston, he said how Boston's been together for a few years and Brooklyn hasn't. And I'm like, huh, that's been my argument against, that's been my super team argument forever. You know what I mean? Is, you know, I'm more pro building a team than sacrificing your core for a star. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I think, like, I really, I've talked about this with, shout to Steven again, Esteban Ramos. I talked to him about, I really wish, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm not a Philly fan, but if Philly kept Simmons, uh, well, basically, if they didn't make that Jimmy Butler trade, right, and they kept all their young guys, Fultz would have found his way out anyway. But if they kept Dario, uh, I think that Covington they traded at the time, mm-hmm. they just have a more well-rounded team. I wonder what that looks like if they keep them at least a year or two and make a different trade down the line, not necessarily Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. I'm just more keep your core kind of guy. And, uh, I'm a key. I'm gonna do. I'm a that to an extent. Like I'm fine with making big moves, and I think certain big moves need to be made. But like, like say if the Warriors didn't win it this year, I don't think you blow it up. Like that. Like not. I mean, like if they would have gotten bounced in the second round by Memphis, I don't think you blow it up. And I know that would yeah. have been the conversation to ha- that would have been had. But like, I don't think you blow that up. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's not a real conversation and. I mean, I think that's more of a, a, a Skip Bayless kind of first take kind of conversation. Maybe well, I, think, I don't. I think it's I a speak. national ESPN first, like Fox, yeah, like and, a national media question, which makes it a not, conversation. Regardless, which is, which is basically first take ESPN at this point. Like they basically cater to that. Like yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say a lot of it because obviously you have Get Up, and then you have all this. But I'm just saying, like, if ESPN. Is as I say, if ESPN and then you have people like Mark Stein would report something, or like Woj would yeah. report something. Well, I'm saying like if you have that I'm whole bomb coming out, then yeah, it's a national story regardless if it's. Like, well, yeah, but I don't, that's I don't I don't see in any scenario where I mean this is basically the first year of the Warriors' core, really. You know, you got Clay. This is Clay's first game in, or first year back in two years. Jordan Poole's emerging. You know, Curry, he's had a couple injury riddled seasons before this. You know, this is their first full season together. No, I think I agree would, with that hundred percent. They would I think they would flow like there it would be discussion about maybe Draymond and Clay and stuff like that, but I don't think it would be I don't think people would be screaming to blow it up. Uh, especially in, you know, basketball media circles. ESPN and Fox, sure, maybe those are those are national entities, but you know, I'm as far as like basketball, basketball media, like the non-dramatic side of it, I think it'd be talked about here and they're like, hey, could this be something down the line? But I don't think people would be screaming to blow it up. Um, and I actually, this is funny because I stumbled upon this and we just because we're on the topic, I actually have one more question after. Do you want to talk, you want the question now or do you want this yeah, just topic? Go, go with what you have. All right, so well, here, let me ask a question first. Okay. Because it's my last one. And then I'll get to uh, my super team question, if if need be. Okay, I'd love to hear it. Actually, your super team who, question. Who is the first celebrity shown in game one? So we're coming back from a commercial. 
It's the second or third quarter. Mike Green's like, oh, celebrities in the house, stars in the house, da 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 da. Who is the very first name person that they show? Who do you think it is? E40. I think E40 is the first person they show. Um, I can't think of anybody else at the moment. So, yeah, I think E40 will be the first one shown. I think, I don't know why this name. I think the first logical one would be Jay-Z and Beyonce. They're always at the finals. But the yeah. first one that came to my mind when I came up with this question was Dave Chappelle. Because I remember a few years ago, he was at a Warriors game. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Actually, they're showing first. First, action. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I could see E40 be shown like fourth because he's already from the Bay and they would expect him to be at the game. And most, most your average household person's probably not going to know E40, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, yeah, I no, I just think I, E40, I think, would be shown because I've seen him shown multiple times. Yeah. But, uh, hmm. But will they show him first is a question. That I yeah, don't see. Yeah, no, let's see. You know what? I'm going to go with Adele. That's actually a good one. I'm going to go with Adele. There are clutch clients playing in the game. Uh, Draymond, most notably. So that's actually a good pick. That's a really good pick, actually. I'm Jealous. Going to, I'm going to Adele. Jealous of that one. Shouts to Adele. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go Dave Chappelle. Your answer is Adele. Yeah, I'm switching uh, it from E40 definitely to Adele. And so the super team, it's... It's kind of just, it's all lumped together, right? Because yep. I'm hearing more, and I hate this shit. Like, I absolutely hate it. I hated it when it happened with LeBron, and I hate it now that it's happening with Steph, right? Mm-hmm. Steph to another finals, and people are talking about legacy. People are talking about him versus LeBron. People are talking about him versus Kobe. People are talking about top 10. I can't stand it. Like, Steph's got at least, barring a serious injury, in my opinion, Steph's got at least six to eight more seasons in the NBA. Steph's got Steph's got three to four more seasons of being probably the best player on his team. I would say three, and then he'd probably have three years of being either the second best to kind of fading into maybe the fourth best player on a team. Right. So we both agree he's got a lot of time left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's got... Especially with the emergence of Jordan Poole, you have Kaminga. Moody has sh- Moody's shown sl- flashes in the playoffs this year. Like obviously, we talked about Wiseman. That's a big question, regardless of whatever you feel about him. He's still a piece that could possibly be something. They have a championship window for the next like three or four years. Especially if they, I'd say even more than that. Especially if they win, or especially, but if they win this, it's. It's scary for the rest of the league. It's oh, kind of yeah. like you're gonna have a better like Clay, regardless of what people like. Clay is going to be better next year than this year. Like he he came off an injury this year. Like you can see like more Clay flashes. Let him get a whole season off season of actual work in with a with a full team, and then you have Jordan Poole progress more. Draymond Green still gonna be Draymond. You have Steph still being Steph. They have young guys who actually have now playoff experience more. Like, yeah, no, they're going to be probably better next year than they are this year. For sure. And again, especially if they win. I'm Yeah. I'm less scared if I'm a Western Conference team if they lose, just because they will have questions, especially in the manager if they lose. Like, who knows what they look like? You know what I mean? Um, but, so, like I was saying, 
people are throwing around all these Steph legacy things when he's got plenty of career left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's here's my thing. Let's say he does win. Yeah. All right. I yeah. fucking hate. It, right. Let's say he does win. That puts him at four. LeBron has four, and mm-hmm. then we the conversation all summer and next year LeBron probably breaks the scoring title next year yeah he will right? so LeBron breaks the scoring title next year Kareem's scoring title mm-hmm. the Lakers are probably I can't see any world unless Anthony Davis just comes back you know MVP form I don't see any world where LA is a contender next year right now, right? Like they would they're they're going to be that puncher's chance team. Like you get to the playoffs and they're going to be a tough out because of the fact that they have a LeBron and hopefully a healthy Anthony Davis, but like as as constructed, like there's six better teams in the uh, West for sure, especially with the Nuggets going to get Porter and Murray back. Yeah, no, there's like six or seven better teams than them right now. I'd argue nine. Uh, I mean, you could. I mean, the Pelicans showed, especially if they get Zion back. You got the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Warriors. As I said, the Nuggets. Yeah, the Clippers when they have Paul George and Kawhi back. Like, yeah, no, definitely, hundred percent, no argument here. They were what? They were like sixteen games under five hundred this year. Yeah, and LeBron Um, put up thirty a game. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. Right? Mm -hmm. You can make the argument LeBron was good stats, bad team, dude. Right? Yeah. So. So you got that going on next year, which is going to be a weird season. Like I said, it's LeBron's last season in L.A. or last season under contract in L.A., I should say. Yeah. I would assume he leaves given his history, especially if it goes bad this year. Right. So you're going to have that. You're going to have Steph possibly coming off the ring. They both have four. People are going to be. It's going to be fucking stupid. It's going to be stupid as fuck. Two of those rings for Steph obviously came with Kevin Durant. Coming to a seventy-three and nine team, yeah. right? Like for arguably me, the greatest team ever in twenty seventeen. Like you could put that team up with any team in the history of the league, regardless if you feel it or not. But like they're on par with that. So yeah, of course they were gonna win. For me, unlike unlike almost any other year, that throws everything out of whack, right? Like one year we have two thousand sixteen, we have Westbrook and KD going at it with the emerging possible dynasty of the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a great series. We had great regular season games, classic regular season games, a classic seven-game series, right? Yeah, and you look a classic wow. seven-game series before, too, because the Warriors came down from 3-1 against the Thunder the series prior with the classic game six clay where it all started and then that's Steph what, that's was third. Talking. Oh, I thought that's you were what. talking about the final, sorry. No, no, no. Because that was no. also a classic series, too. But, yeah. No, I thought- Thunder and Warriors. Yeah, I was going to say claim six clay and then game seven, Steph has 37, and a clay also goes off in that game too. Everything stays put. That's We're definitely getting that matchup, whether it's the conference finals or the semifinals, the next two or three years. That doesn't happen. The, any way you slice it, two of the top three joint forces, or Katie jumps to them, right? Mm-hmm. That throws not only KD's legacy out of whack, Steph's legacy, uh, Argue Kerr's legacy, I guess, and LeBron's, right? It just throws everything out of wax. We've never really seen anything like that, besides when LeBron went to the Heat the first time, yeah. right? So, yeah, I just, I guess it's not so much a question other than the super team era just confuses the hell out of anything basketball legacy related 
in a way that was never possible before because there just wasn't so much movement and not so much movement from potential top 10 NBA players. Like, I, I find it impossible to have a... And again, I hate having these arguments, but let's say the argument was Steph versus Magic, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to have that when Magic was drafted to Kareem and then pretty much all of Magic's prime, like those 80s years, was Kareem's decline, right? So it kind of balanced out. They yeah, lost some. I was going to say, well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, Kareem was the best player on that team for three years. And then Magic became the best player after pretty much after Tragic Johnson. He was for sure the best player. I mean, possibly. I mean, people, I mean, Magic might have even been before that. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, you could argue the timeline, but like regardless, you still had a great player in Kareem at that point. Yeah. Like, like you Once, still like, you had like not prime, prime Kareem, but you had like close to prime Kareem during the the first few years. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was looking the other night, he was, there were seasons he was putting up stuff like, you know, 30 and 17. And by the time Magic was emerging, like Magic's first two or three seasons, Kareem's down to like 25 and 11, which is great. But, the you know, the rebound's not there. That means the athleticism's dewaning, right? Yeah, I was going to say, oh. like, yeah, uh, yeah, I get you. Go on. Which kind of helps. I, I guess what I'm saying is just it's all confusing. I kind of want to know your opinion on it. And then I also saw uh, a couple months ago, and I came across it today, in an interview with Iman Shumpert, who played with LeBron. And he outright said that he's told LeBron this and that he just swears by it, how LeBron ruined the league, like how you could, you know, there was rivalries in place because, you know, they just naturally formed because of, you know, like Warriors Thunder. You know what I mean? That would have been a rivalry for at least three or four years. In, or how- in Warriors Rockets, which became a little rivalry, but like they even played in the final. I mean, they played in the playoffs two times prior to Durant getting there. Plus the the Rockets still would have, I'm assuming they still would have developed pretty similarly to the way they did. Obviously they tried to combat Kevin Durant too, but like the Warriors would have still been a force. So they would have, the Rockets would have been there and maybe you never know. Maybe James Harden does get to a finals. Like, I mean, obviously you never will know, but like that Rockets team would have been another team in the way. Plus that Thunder team, plus any other team that came along. So yeah. Uh, my answer to that James Harden one, two things. I think the Warriors probably would have re-signed Barnes had they not got KD. And even if they don't, they probably get to fill out their team a little more, obviously, with uh, with money. all that. Right? So they fill out their team. So they probably have a deeper bench. So I think, long story short, I don't think James Harden would have got to the finals because I think he still would have shit the bed like he always does. Okay, so like, I, no, I think he would have had a better what, chance. I get what I get what you're saying. I just want to take yeah. another shot at James Harden. Oh, no, that's fine. I take all the shots you want at James Harden because I completely agree. He wouldn't have because he also could have done that in 2018 when or 2019 when Kevin Durant went down game five and six when it was 2-2. Steph came in game five, and then in game six, Steph had 33 in the second half, and they choked it away in their home four. So, yeah, no, 100%. Like, James Harden wouldn't have done it. But, you know, I'm putting the hypothetical out there. But looking back to the 2010s, mm-hmm. 
was definitely a contrast to everything else in NBA history, whether it's the 2090s, 80s, whatever. Yeah. Because a lot of people, a lot of people, this is what you hear anytime you hear this super team argument is people be like, oh, well, Bird had Hall of Famers, Jordan had Pippen, and, uh, you know, Magic and Kareem, da 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 da. It's a little different. A little different, like, in my opinion. They had but, super teams, but they were like how they came up. Like, you no, know, with super teams, it's kind of how you come about. Like, the Warriors could have been their own mini super team. Like, they had, they would have had Steph, Clay, and Draymond, which I'm not comparing it, but it's like a Bird, McHale, Parrish, uh, Michael, Rodman, Pippen, or Pippen, Rodman. Let me not put the Rodman for it, but like. Magic, Kareem, and then you can say Michael Cooper or whoever you want to, James Worthy, sorry. But like not the same level. I'm not trying to compare those, but I'm just saying the same I'd trios kind of thing, if you know what I I'd mean. Compare more, I'd compare more to the Spurs. Tim yeah. Duncan. Yeah, 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 that's another one. And that's, I was going to say, that's a kind of legendary, that's a legendary trio. Like it, it, regardless, they won four championships together as a trio. Because I think. I think you have two, like, Tim Duncan and Steph. They're both top-end talent. Like, that's Hall of Fame talent, whatever. He slays it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Man, Manu probably, too. Manu came a little... He probably came in his mid-20s over to the U.S. Yeah. To play with Spurs as a six-man. So, he's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Clay, like, if, I think if you put Clay anywhere else, like, say he doesn't get drafted with the Warriors, he probably definitely becomes a high-level shooter. I don't know if he's... You know, a Hall of Fame level player. I think he, that's fair to say. He might be a. He'd be a better defending Buddy Heels, maybe. I, I think he'd be All Star level. I don't know if he reaches the levels he gets to with with Steph. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Well, of course. Like Steph makes the game so much easier. Same with Draymond. Like I think Draymond becomes a very good, like you, very good defensive player. But like I don't know if he is Draymond. Depe- depends on the coach with him because I think Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr both unlocked him in yeah. ways because like, I think triple college. Yeah, if um if say he went to the Celtics and had a good coach there, or went to the Spurs had a coach there, yeah, like I think with him it does depend on the coach and how much you allow him to have freedom and how much you allow him to play. So I yeah. I can agree with that. Because yeah, I just I don't know. Again, there's no real point to this conversation other than like i hear so many arguments this way or that way like i've heard like when people try to argue the spurs and and like the heat and all that like that series because i believe the spurs outright beat the heat you know the heat were favored in that series they did and the the spurs (laughs) were older you know that's that's the end of manu and tony parker's career but i've had arguments with people when i'm talking about the spurs where they're like yeah but the spurs had tony parker and I'm like, okay. Tony <laughs> Parker through the 2000s. Like, you give me every notable point guard throughout the 2000s. You give me like Nash, Kid, uh, Kid. You give me Chris Paul, even Chauncey uh, Billups. Like Chauncey Billups and Parker would have been on like your same level. About, I would say Chauncey was ahead of him. Even like Tony Parker was good. <laughs> if there was a top ten, he was eight in the 2000s when he got those first couple of rings. I think he yeah. might have won. And then in the 2010s, early 2010s, he started to emerge. The games, you know, switches to a more pick and roll game, and his stats still aren't crazy. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame for what he did in the NBA and for the for uh, you know national play. Yeah, of and, course, and that's fine. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, especially he, the NBA Hall of Fame. 
but it's not like he's Steve Nash on the on the Spurs. You know what I mean? Like he was an All Star level player that's going to be a Hall of Fame player due to his accolades, which is great. Like that's that's part of what being a Hall of Famer is. There's some who are what Tony Parker is, and then there's Steph Curry, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He mm-hmm. retires tomorrow. He retires two years ago. He's a first ballot Hall. Steph could have retired after the 2016 season. He would have been a Hall of Famer. Like in after, some form, yeah. Probably. I mean, the, after I mean, obviously he lost in the finals, but he'd have a finals with two MVPs, a unanimous MVP. Like he would have been a Hall of Famer. But I know what you're saying. Like after the 2018 finals, when he won the third, when he won his third, like he could have retired then. Easy first ballot, no question. Like no one's gonna even try to debate it. Any year. I just see, and it's it's an argument I almost threw at you earlier this year. LeBron versus Steph. I might have even brought it to you off the pod like we were just talking on the phone. But it's such an interesting one. And let's say Steph gets to four. I do think LeBron's are a little bit harder, especially, you know, the 3-1 against Steph. And obviously, like you said, Steph had Durant for two of those. But Mm -hmm. it's still an interesting argument, especially given how Steph changed the game in a way LeBron didn't on the court. Steph versus LeBron in what sense? His career. That's what's going to be the conversation. People are going to talk about I'm, career, eh. legacy. People are going to talk about people are going to talk about Steph over LeBron. I'm never going to go that far. No, but I'm I'm literally the biggest Steph fan that I know, and I would I can't do that. Like LeBron has four MVPs. LeBron has obviously four Finals, four Finals MVPs. He's been to 10 finals, so regardless of what you feel about him losing in the finals, he's played great in 9 out of the 10 finals. Someone wants to argue the Spurs, so you can also say 8 out of the 10 finals, just so there's no argument at all. Uh, the first Spurs in 07, by the way. Um, he's got so many. He's came second in Defensive Player of the Year. He's got way more all-defensive teams, way more all-NBA teams, all-star games, like just... Overall, LeBron is just a better player than Steph all time, like resume wise and anything. Like just how it is. But like I'm, but like, but again, you're right in the conversation. And as we're talking about here too, the Warriors could win another one. Like LeBron probably, unless he goes to a different team and finds a different uh, scenario, he probably won't win another one. Steph could get to five. Then people are like, well, he had more than LeBron. Was it really the uh, Steph Curry era during the 2010s, or was it the LeBron era? You know what I mean? That conversation's going to come up if Steph said gets to five. I will say this. I think career-wise, it's always going to be LeBron. I mean, we don't know how everything's going to end up. We of course. Really of course. Now, know, they can play right together now. for all we know. I mean, I don't think it will happen, but like, you just literally never know anything. Right? So right now, obviously, I would say LeBron. But I do think whose who whose league was it in the 2010s, LeBron or Steph? I think that's a closer argument than people realize. Uh, I, it is. I mean, you have to think about it. So in the 2010s, LeBron won four finals, Steph won three, LeBron won two MVPs, Steph won two MVPs. Steph beat LeBron three times in the finals. One time, obviously, two times with Kevin Durant. But, like, he still, regardless of how you slice it, he beat LeBron three times in the finals. 
LeBron played better than him in the finals, but Steph still put up numbers in those finals, regardless if you go back and look at all the series put together. I'm so looking at it more as Steph. Steph changed the entire way the game has been played. He was the same kind changes, of changes how you uh how you build your team. Yeah, no, he changed he just changed the yeah. NBA. Like the NBA changed cuz of Steph completely. Like and that's just and everyone knows that. Obviously it started the origins would be starting with Mike D'Antoni. But, like, if you don't win with it, you're not going to change anything. So, obviously, like, that seven-second offense that they had in Phoenix, like, that was the basis of it. And then you just take it and you add, instead of Steve Nash, who was a very good point guard, but he was going to, like, orchestrate the offense and shoot when he could. But you put the greatest shooter to ever live in an offense that has motion and kind of that freedom, then, yeah, you're going to get that. But no, that's an interesting point of the LeBron Steph in a takeout resume kind of thing, like mm. impact, like a LeBron Steph impact argument. That is a more interesting one than people give it credit for. I think we're going to be, if Steph, especially if Steph wins this, I think we're going to get Steph LeBron arguments too long, too much in a way that we got the LeBron MJ argument. Which we still get and we'll forever get, which I, oh my goodness gracious, I just hate those so TV much. needs to retire that. Like, they just need to retire it. Like, it's, it's, it's it was, it was done too early. Mm-hmm. It was done way too early to the point where it's like, I don't know, it makes you want to throw up almost. No, no, no. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen with these two. No, and I don't, as a, and I don't care, like, if you say LeBron's a goat, whatever, if you say Mike, I, I personally don't care. I understand that, like, you, there's arguments for people on both sides, but I don't care. LeBron's the greatest per- player I've ever seen in my lifetime that watching, because I obviously didn't grow up watching Mike. I was born in 97, his second to last season in the league, so I didn't watch him. Obviously, I can see highlights and go back and read articles and blah, but, like, it's different when you're living in it. So LeBron's the greatest I've ever seen in my lifetime. Anyone who says Michael Jordan, I just defer to them because they were there more so, so they kind of get that impact. Because I feel like impact for me, for being a GOAT, like the greatest of all time, I feel like the impact of what you do has more of an effect than just being the best basketball player ever. I I, I guess I have... Like those are when you're talking about the goat, it impact and encompasses both for me. That is, and since I wasn't there for Mike, I don't feel as if I have a accurate argument to make. Compelling, compelling stuff, really is. Uh, I, I was like, I don't know if you agree, disagree with that, but I just, I was like, I think the impact, like. Like, the 1992 Dream Team, like, that, like, obviously Mike headlined that team, but, like, the impact of what that did is on Mike's resume. The impact of the Jordan shoe is on Mike's resume. The impact of the kind of just, like, the fear he put into people is on Mike's resume. Like, those kind of things, the global aspect of what people did is on Mike's resume. Like, those are the things that make you the goat of something. It's not just only your basketball play on the court because if you just break it down to the court, then there's an 
e- like you can easily make the argument that LeBron's better than Mike, even though you could also make the argument that Mike is better than LeBron. It's like if you just bring it down to just the basketball court, I think off the basketball court is where kind of that go also goes. But I mean, with LeBron, you could say he changed player movement, player empowerment, and then obviously speaking on more social issues than Mike did, you kind of being like a voice outside too, you could say that would be why LeBron could be a GOAT and how his impact happened too. So really is up for it's up for a debate, but I never hear that when you're talking. You just hear six finals, six finals MVPs, and that's it. Uh, I mean, I've definitely heard some of those brought up with LeBron, especially like the social impact and stuff like that, which I don't really know how that impacts go. Like, I guess it could. It's just because, like, I mean, and I'm not comparing him to these people, but, like, kind of like the impact of Kareem or the impact of Muhammad Ali, like those kind of things. I don't know. They just makes you more of an icon in a sense. Like you, like you, when you're standing, like, and this is also also not the same thing, but like Colin Kaepernick, like it just makes you like, I mean, that's a completely different aspect and a completely different thing, but like it makes him Colin Kaepernick will forever be known because of that specific thing. And like if his play, if like, that's a bad example just because of how it went but just say though russell and kareem and and even kaepernick they took a stand and they were like in the trenches lebron kind of speaks out on it Mm -hmm. which is fine i mean lebron what how much of a stand can you really make i mean i don't i don't know that's fair that's fair that's a very fair point um I don't really want to get to the gold argument obviously i said like i i hate the conversation just Mm -hmm. because it's been like blown out from every angle uh, i agree but this is the most but, civil conversation about lebron and mike together that i've ever been a part of so it's I, yeah I'm, it's, I'm okay with it because we both understand that we're not trying to just be annoying about it yeah no i mean i mean you know i would just say i mean i've talked about both lebron and mj here on the on the podcast i mean a my two things just to that would be pro Mike, I guess. Pro MJ would be, uh, I think I said this on over All-Star Weekend. He got that loudest ovation in Cleveland. You know, that's basically LeBron's home. You get the loudest ovation out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, you know, every other argument, whatever. Throw every single argument out the window. Go look at shoe sales year to year. Jordan versus LeBron versus... Versus Kobe's unfair now due to his untimely passing because he's he would be up there in sales anyway, but his stuff's going to skyrocket anyway. And I, and I think Kobe would be there anyway because I think I think actually Kobe's got the best on court sneakers out of the three of them. I like the look of Kobe's more than Jordan's personally. But, but I, I get the retro feel of it, and everyone loves Jordans. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying I'm personally I like the I like Kobe's shoes more than I like Jordan. Right. And I would say, by the way, all three got classics in their sneaker cap. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at sales year to year, what Jordan, what Jordan's brand does, you know, what, 2002 he retired. So a full 20 years after his retirement, that's insane. You mm-hmm. know, will, I don't know if LeBron's whole sneaker catalog will stand up like that. I think it, I think it'll be close. I think it'll, you know, I'll, I'm really interested to see what it 
his stuff does in the retro market 20 years from now. Yeah. That would be yeah. versus, yeah, I guess that'd be Giannis' sneakers, Zion sneakers, Luca Lava, Steph, signature linebacker. Kyrie. Kyrie's are big. Kyrie's are. He's actually going to be off Nike, which is somewhat surprising, somewhat not surprising, but none of those have the, I think the only three with true staying power as far as sneakers will be, Le, is LeBron, Kobe, and like, obviously MJ and Kobe, we've seen it. And LeBron's, LeBron's had retros already. He's had retros while he's in the league, showing how long he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like Kyrie, I get a, I can't imagine Kyrie's getting retroed, even though he's got great sneakers. Under Armour's never gonna have a, a retro market with Steph. You know they'll be able to re-release his every once in a while, but I couldn't even tell you what the most popular Curry Eights. Okay, so the Curry Eights might be. No, but, I'm just saying, like Steph, Steph did not hit the ground running with his shoes. It's like we can just all say that, but like his latest, the Curry Eights, the Curry Nines. Those last, his last, his latest shoe. He's stepping up the shoe game in his latest ones. So, yeah, it, dep- and also depends on like what kind of legend. Like if he keeps making act very good shoes and like say he gets to five or even six rings. I'm not saying it's happening, but like if it does happen, like it might bring his shoe sales up even more. And like you could retro some of those curries. So I mean, but I don't think, but they're not going to be LeBrons. They're not going to be Kobe's. They're not going to be Mike's. But I'm just saying, it could. He they could last. If I live long enough to see a Steph Curry Under Armour retro, I've seen it all. You will live long enough to see a Curry Under Armour retro. That's more. That's more about Under Armour than it is Steph Curry. Yeah, I I understand. He has his own brand technically now. With I mean, obviously it's kind of sideline from Under Armour, but he has his own brand now. So that might be another thing too. But yeah, that's where I stand on it. And I'm sure as LeBron's career winds down and, you know, when LeBron breaks Kareem's record next year, we'll have more of these LeBron legacy talks and whatever, whatever. You can't can't talk about one without the other, which sucks. But you can definitely talk about LeBron without MJ or Steph. But it's hard. If you started to talk about LeBron and Mike, like, after he breaks Kareem's record or, like, right now, and that was the start of it, then I would be able to be okay with it. Yeah, it's the fact that it's happened since 2011, 2012. After the first championship, it was like, well, is LeBron now like gonna surpass Mike? It's like, guy, he literally is in his prime, like peak prime. Like, let him live, <laughs> please. I think it's funny because I don't know. It's hilarious. Obviously, I'm on Twitter more than you, and I don't want to spend too much time. I got to go. I got some stuff to do. But, yeah. uh, Giannis, we've talked about this. Giannis, his career looks a lot like LeBron's, like just where he is. I think Giannis must be in what you're seven right now. I don't know what he's in. I, I'll look and let you know in just a moment, but he's better than LeBron at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. He's got well, the no, ringer. I, no, no. I mean, like his resume is better than LeBron's at this point. Prop. With the ring, yeah. I bet LeBron probably has more All-NBAs than All-Defenses. I could be wrong. And Giannis but, does have a Defensive Player of the Year. True, in the true. same In the same season as he got his MVPs. He already has two MVPs. He's nine years in with a championship and a finals MVP. So, like, mm, that's you, a could, tough you could compare. I, there. I mean, the only thing that's tough about Giannis is, like, his first three years in the league is when he was starting to find his footing. He really had to develop, and LeBron just came into the league being, like, a top-20 player. 
So like that yeah. that kind that that's the part that hurts him. But like if you look at his resume comparatively to LeBron's in nine year nine years, which I actually should go through and do myself, it might be better. Close. I mean, it's hard just because those statistics because he's only averaging twenty two and nine and no, twenty two nine and five for his career because of those first three years. But I mean, he does two MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year, a Finals Finals MVP already. So my uh, my point with this no, was sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, 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 no. My point was though, it's funny because he's got an outstanding resume. Mm-hmm. He's on top seventy-five. He made the top seventy-five. Just don't um, really so. It's just funny seeing people, specifically some LeBron fans. I've seen this with Luca too, where they're like. Oh, not even close to what LeBron did, which is true. LeBron, LeBron was a different class, like you said. He was a top twenty-five player immediately as soon as he stepped in the league. Luke right? is the only comparison you can make to LeBron when it comes to that. Just stat, like statistically wise, because Luca came into the league probably top twenty-five. Right. So, like, he, that's the only comparison you can make. Like, honestly, like the way they start to, started their career. So you see Luca putting up points in the playoffs and they bring up lists and it's like youngest player to do this, da 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 da. And mm-hmm. obviously the next line was LeBron because he was doing all this and Luca's either in that class or breaking some of these records. I don't know. Yeah. But point is I'll see this on Twitter and people will be like, There's no comparison between Luca and LeBron. And it's like, you guys sound exactly like the type of people because let me get this straight. Bronze sexuals are another fucking breed. Like you could be talking about Stray Young and somehow LeBron will get brought up like out of nowhere. Thank you, like, Skip, for that. Yeah, to some degree, yeah. He, no, Skip he, is Skip. He, I was going to say, obviously you're going to have that anyways, but Skip is like the number one. Like he'll mention in this finals, man, LeBron's not here. Uh, another yeah. finals we're watching without LeBron and like just and all he, those kind of things. And he's partly doing marketing, which is annoying as fuck because it's just like 20 times worse than when he was with ESPN. Yes. But I'm talking about LeBron stands, the dick riders who will just like insert his name in these conversations. But you're right. Yes, Skip does is in part for that. But it's just funny watching these people say all this about Luca, who by all accounts is a fucking legend. Like already, like this kid is fucking amazing. Like. He's tearing up the league. Like I said, this league's too easy for Luca. He uh, said it was. Don't, don't let him. Don't let him get a ring in these next three years, which is completely possible because he might just like might retire with fifteen rings. And don't let uh, him get an MVP. If if Luca in the next two years gets a, an MVP in a finals, he may get five in five. But never know. I'm, I'm partly exaggerating with Luca, but it's just no. funny watching Le, the LeBron fans get like all in their panties their panties in a bunch with this Luca shit and with Giannis weirdly with Giannis it's not so much LeBron fans as much as it is like any fan there seems to be like a lot of fans who do not want to give Giannis his credit for whatever reason and uh let me tell you this having just gone against him in the semifinals acting like I was on the team or some shit but you know rooting against him in the semifinals was fucking frightening like I dead as I've said this I thought the Celtics had a better chance of winning game six on the road in Milwaukee than they did game seven at home because of Giannis. Like, I thought Giannis was literally going to put up like a, a 50-25 game. Like, I was scared to death. He put up 50-12 like, in game six of the NBA finals to close out the series. 
And he had a near triple double in the first quarter of that game. And I was like, yep, here we go. And he luckily oh, he, he ran out of gas, which he's is scary. Like, you know, he's the, like how I said KD like before, like during the season, I said Kevin Durant's the best player in the league. That is just maybe I was going to say, maybe I'm part of the problem with Giannis. Maybe I'm disrespecting him by saying he's the second best player in the league. I mean, he's now that he's the best player in the league and there's no argument for me. Like there's absolutely no argument, but he's just. So, he's so amazing as a player because, and the thing about it is, he can still get better. Like the yeah, more not, the jump shot develops, the better he gets, and he yeah, works at play, it. His playmaking is already better too. He was like at seven assists in the postseason. Mm-hmm. His postseason ridiculous. Just, Listen, I know Keenan Gray talking to you. We'll be talking more NBA, obviously, probably this weekend. Can I, can I say one thing? It has no debate to it, so it's going to be real quick. Sure. Barn burner. The phrase barn burner comes from an, the 19th century is in an allusion to the story of an old Dutchman who relieved himself of rats by burning barns which they infested. And then it got brought into a political term in the 19th or in the uh 20th century like 1848 so 19th century still and then it got brought back in the 21st century or 20th century in the 1930s so that's where the origin of barn burner comes for people wow thanks for that history lesson hey, no problem i'm the historian of the league not, not much to say to that other than again this is the record for most times barn burner has been said in the podcast <laughs> but we're out of here let me give a shout out to to D-Roy, to Urim, shouts on having your kid, Urim, shouts to Big Nate, shouts to Dana, shouts to the other Dana who was a bench warmer, shouts to Andrew who was a bench warmer. They both got the Udonis Haslam rings. Uh, I forget, and shouts to Josh, shouts to Josh Bacon too. Shouts to all y'all, championship team. We got to celebrate sometime. Keenan, unfortunately you couldn't be there, but uh, we'll send you a championship ring or t-shirt or something. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Out of here, Warner Brothers Podcast. Keaton, I'll talk to you again in a few days. Uh, excited for the finals. Let's go. I am. Everyone enjoy the finals and have a good one. Celtics in seven. Let's Warriors go. in seven.